Hey folks, just a few quick announcements before we get into this week's episode. First off, I really want to thank everybody who's downloaded, followed, subscribed, and reviewed the podcast. It really means a lot, and we're off to a great start. I've got almost 100 downloads of the promo in Episode 1, so I'm hoping that Episode 2 and 3, which I've uh, got queued up and ready, uh, bring in even more downloads. Thanks a lot. Also, thanks for the feedback. Uh, I've got a lot of uh, interesting points here that friends, family, and some other folks have given me, so... I now know a little better about the things I say too much in each recording. Uh, My father-in-law has requested more lawyer jokes in the podcast. I'm not even sure if my lawyer friend out in New York is listening. For all the school he's had, I don't even know if he can use a smartphone. So, And if he did tell me he was listening, he'd probably have to file a legal brief or something like that. Anyway, one other announcement on platforms. We are now on Google Play Music. Thank you to all the Android users who have been a bit patient. Uh, we were up on iTunes and Podbean last week, and now we are finally up on Google Play Music, so that should make it a little easier for some of you to listen. Hoping for other platforms in the future, but one that also just got launched pretty much today, or at least I figured out a few things to get it launched, is a YouTube channel. So if you are a YouTuber and you listen to podcasts on YouTube, which a lot of people do, you can now actually listen to the audio on my YouTube channel. You can head on over to the website, www.amazingmainpodcast.com, and there is a link to our YouTube channel. So please subscribe there, view the videos. Who knows, maybe I can monetize them and make uh, 20 to 30 cents a video. Upcoming episodes. Uh, so today is episode two, and next week will be episode three. Now, if you remember the promo, I did say I was going to do episodes every other week, which is probably going to be the schedule for a while. So after next week, after episode three, it'll be two weeks until episode four. reason I'm releasing episode two today, one, I want to capitalize on the momentum that I've got going, which is nice. Even though it's, uh, you know, small compared to the big guys, it's still really great and I really appreciate it. But also, this is kind of a continuation of episode one. I know the subject matter for episode one and for this one is a bit scattered, a bit all over the place, but uh, I did record it some months ago, but I didn't want to get it out there anyway. So if you bear with me, uh, next week is going to be an episode on the Elephant Mountain B-52 crash, which is uh, kind of a sad event, uh, but it's uh, something that you uh, cite, you can visit, and kind of a uh, major moment uh, in the 60s in Maine and also in aviation history. And I'm really looking forward to hearing from as many of you as possible. Again, visit the website, visit social media. Thanks again. Amazing Maine Podcast, the unofficial podcast of out-of-work, middle-aged dads. So thanks again for joining us. This is episode two, entitled, Why Do You Live There? If you don't know where I live, just go back and listen to episode one. It'll tell you all about uh, the small town in Maine that I live in. Before we get to the episode, the usual podcast housekeeping, everybody's favorite stuff. Uh, Would be great if you went on over to our website, uh, amazingmainepodcast.com. Check out our blog posts. And also look uh, for social media links in the upper right-hand corner. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we're even on LinkedIn. So please, on any or all of those platforms, join up with us. 
comment, follow, give us a review. Speaking of reviews, we're on a couple of different platforms. We're on iTunes, Google Play Music, and Podbean. So, interesting main fact for this episode. Maine has 17 million acres of forest, according to Maine.gov. Uh, we do actually have state government here in Maine, so yeah, they, they keep some statistics, among other things. 17 million acres, that is bigger than the state of West Virginia, almost the size of South Carolina. Uh, that's pretty impressive. Maine uh, is known, as I said in the last episode, for its rocky coasts and lighthouses, but much of the state is forest. And this ties right into uh, some of the things that we're going to talk about in this episode and what is in the state and why we live here. So what's it like to live in rural Maine? Well, the running joke in our family and other families is that you're basically 30 minutes from anything and everything. Uh, we live in this uh, small little town of Andover and we are 30 minutes at a minimum from a grocery store, a Walmart, a Dunkin' Donuts, a hospital, uh, anything approaching a police station. So you have to expect a drive. Our family mechanic jokes that my wife's car never gets shut off because she's always running the kids somewhere and everything is at least an hour round trip. So if you want to take a kid to a sporting event or possibly across town to visit a friend, it's going to be a bit of a drive. Another thing that can affect life in Maine a great deal is the seasons. Now, Maine is not known as a very warm place to live, so winter is obviously one of the most uh, prominent seasons. It uh, runs several months of our lives. You generally see significant snowfall sometime in December, but you're going to see it before that in even October. Uh, certainly in November, it just may not stick around too much. So there's a number of ski areas around us. There's a lot of snowmobiling. Maine has an immense amount of snowmobile trails. Many of these are groomed by local clubs, and it actually draws a lot of people into our particular area. Uh, we're at the convergence of a number of major snowmobile trails that can take you all the way into Canada, all the way throughout the Northeast. And there is a small gas station here in town, and on a weekend in the winter, if there's heavy snow, which there usually is, it's very hard to get gas if you want to go to that gas station because the snowmobiles are lined up 10, 15 deep on a busy afternoon. So lots of snowmobiling in the area. We do get quite a bit of snow. Just a couple of years ago, we actually made it into national news because we hit a record. I think it was, uh, I don't know, it was sometime in January, and we were already over 100 inches of total snowfall at that point. Uh, so, yeah, lots of snow. You have to do a lot of shoveling, snow blowing, or plowing. And a lot of people say, well, gosh, you know, how do you get around in the winter? Well, every, just about everybody with a pickup truck has a plow on the front. So, you know, you, you plow the snow out of the way, you shovel it out of the way, and you just move on with life. Uh, in my case, that involves also shoveling my roof. Now, if you've never heard of such a thing, yes, this is, this is a thing. You actually have to get up on your roof with a snow scoop, which is a big, broad shovel, uh, or uh, a snow shovel, and you have to shovel the snow off. Why? I have a low-pitch roof and the snow does not clear itself off. It's not a metal roof. So if you want to get the snow off so that your roof, A, doesn't start to leak when it melts a little bit, or B, God forbid, collapse your roof, then you get up there and you shovel it. That's just what you do. Now, you might be saying, well, why the heck would you have a, a low-pitch roof living in an area where you get hundreds of inches of snow? That's a good question. I'm not sure why. Anyway, um, I didn't build the place, but, you know, 
It also gets cold, really cold. The coldest that I have ever uh, recalled feeling was negative 36 Fahrenheit. And that felt like someone had a belt around my chest. And every time I took a breath, it basically tightened the belt a little bit more. But I had to go out to my chicken coop that morning in negative 36. Uh, it was pretty darn cold. Luckily, it didn't last more than about a day. But it's very common with wind chill for it to be uh, below zero uh, on many afternoons or days in, uh, in the winter. That's a pretty common thing. Spring uh, here in Maine is very gray and very muddy. Um, we don't have a ton of dirt roads around us, but we, it definitely is mud season. Uh, we don't get the beautiful blooms that you get down in like Pennsylvania or the Virginia area. Uh, there's certainly plenty of flowers and everything, but it's not anywhere near as early and it's not as vibrant as some parts of the country. So spring is not our best season, in my humble opinion. Summer is short, but boy, it's really nice. It's not too hot. Um, and once you get past the spring bugs and things like that, it really is great for the outdoors. If you're doing anything like uh, boating or hiking or just, you know, being outside, summer in Maine is fantastic. Obviously, the best months are July and August. But as I record this here in mid-June, it's gorgeous. It's 75 outside, and, you know, it, it's just a wonderful time of the year. Uh, it's my wife's favorite time of the year. Uh, it doesn't last long enough for her, but, you know, it is what it is. It's so short, however, that most people in Maine don't even have air conditioning. Now, if you live in a part of the country where air conditioning uh, is your lifeline, well, we just don't have it here. There's not much call for it. There might be a couple of weeks where you need it. And where we think we need it is not where you think we need it. You know, I get grumpy if it gets above 85 degrees and I want to turn on AC or put a window unit in. Um, it would have to get well above 120 for my wife to want that. Uh, so it's just not as common up here. Uh, some people do have it, but it's it's kind of rare. Uh, everybody has heat in the winter, though. That's, that's the important thing. So fall, that brings us on to the leaf peepers, leaf lookers, those kinds of... If you don't know what that is, basically... Fall is so gorgeous in Maine and really in northern New England, uh, New Hampshire and Vermont as well, that a lot of people just come up to see the foliage and see the leaves change. It is a beautiful part of uh, the year. I highly recommend you come up this way just to see it, take a drive. Uh, with today's technology, you can just look it up, you know, right in, put it into your GPS or into your uh, map app on your phone and then just take go for a drive uh, come up and stay for a weekend you won't regret it there's all kinds of good events going on that's uh, when there's a lot of festivals and things it's it's just a terrific time of year it's warm days cool nights uh, highly recommend it and then it's winter again and it really starts to get um, wintry uh, you know getting towards halloween or so it's not uncommon for your kids to have to wear heavy warm clothes under their costumes what else is in rural Maine? What kind of things do you see and what kind of businesses are there? Well, the area is known for logging, as most of Maine once was. Uh, there was a time, I can remember back in my teen years, when my family owned a camp, uh, and that's a cabin to anyone else in the U.S., uh, but owned a cabin uh, up in northern Maine, and you saw logging trucks all the time. And uh, on their roads, which you were allowed to drive on occasionally, uh, you got out of their way. Um, if you ever saw the show American Loggers that showed uh, some people out of the area of Millinocket, Maine, which is where our cabin was, uh, they weren't kidding. Those logging trucks were really moving. And back then, this is in you know, when we owned this place, was back in the mid-80s, uh, paper companies owned about 55% of the state. So lots of trees, like I mentioned, 17 million acres. 
There are some mills left, but a lot of them have closed, unfortunately. They just couldn't compete uh, with uh, foreign mills, uh, so there's not anywhere near as much logging as there used to be. Still a lot of firewood businesses, and there still is some lumber and paper uh, operations, but nothing like it used to be, unfortunately. What makes small-town Maine different? Well, yeah. I guess it's not all that much different from small town other places, but uh, few places are as rural as uh, this part of Maine. Things don't change quickly around here. That may sound like a bit of a cliche, but really doesn't. Uh, a lot of the houses here are very, very old and have been in the same family for many generations. It's very quiet here, really, really quiet, so that you can hear wildlife at a distance. Uh, you can hear a truck coming at a long, uh, long way away. There just isn't that much to make noise up here. There's not really a lot of traffic. There's no operation. My town doesn't even have uh, a traffic signal in it. It just has a stop sign in the center of town. So not a lot of road traffic, not a lot of uh, industry or anything like that to make noise. So if you really want to come to a place to see the beauty of nature and not hear a lot of people, uh, Maine is the place. So yeah, not a lot of people move in. Uh, and an odd thing about rural Maine is customers need the reference. So when I first moved to the town of Andover, Maine, I needed some work done on my house. And while people are very friendly and very nice and helpful, uh, when you first move in, I wouldn't say they're standoffish, but they're just a little unsure of you. And I had to have other people that did know me in town say to contractors, oh yeah, they're okay, they're good people, they'll pay you, <laughs> they'll they'll take care of that sort of thing before they would work for us. So they're, it, it's kind of in reverse, uh, whereas in a more populated area, the contractor might need the reference to get the job. Here in rural Maine, uh, we chuckle about it a lot, but the customer typically needs the reference to get started. Once you get started, though, everything's fine. This town is just full of great people, as most Maine towns are. A lot of people ask me, why do you live there? Gosh, you know, it's so far from everything. How can you possibly you know, deal with that that type of life? And I say, you know what? I've got a few kids and every grandmother in the town of Andover knows who my kids are and where they're supposed to be. And that's one of the greatest things about the state is its low crime rate. It's one of the lowest in the nation. A recent uh, 2017usnews.com article ranked it as the lowest violent crime rate in the nation and a lot of that has to do with its rural nature and not a lot of people and you know you could talk about all the reasons for that but it's a very safe place to live and those people once you get to know them they will help you fix anything uh, I remember years ago when I was putting in a deck on the side of my house and I realized oh geez I needed someone with a piece of equipment and my father, who has spent many years living in Massachusetts and perhaps become a bit jaded as to, you know, how things operate, he said, oh, gosh, we're not going to be able to continue with this project without a tractor. And I said, OK, hang on a second. I'll go call somebody. And he looked at me like I had three heads. He said, what do you mean you're going to go call somebody? You can't get somebody here with a tractor to smooth out this gravel and do that. And I said, sure, I can. I went in the house. I called a friend's dad and I said, hey, can you come over with your tractor and help smooth out this gravel? About 10 minutes later, he was there with his tractor. And that's kind of what it's like to live around here. You just, you know, you, you have wonderful neighbors and they help you out with just about anything. It's, uh, it's a really great way to live, actually. Yeah, it's far from everything. Yeah, your education opportunities might be limited for your kids. It might be a challenge to drive everywhere, but it really is a safe and wonderful place to live. Another great reason for living here, property can be pretty cheap. Uh, when I initially bought my house, so back in 2003, I got almost five acres, a house, garage, barn, carport, a shed uh, for $150,000 roughly. 
and you can still get a few acres and a large house for about that price. Under $200,000 will get you quite a lot in rural Maine. Other than being far from everything, the other trade-offs are that there isn't a lot of jobs up here. You have to be pretty creative, which is one of the reasons why you're listening to this podcast, because I'm exploring my creative side. But, you know, that property, uh, don't expect it to be called uh, by your family name anytime soon. As I mentioned before, things don't change very quickly. And I've lived here, as I said, 16 years, and people still refer to this piece of property by not even the previous owner, but the owner before that. So when I'm talking to the older generations in town, I don't, you know, I tell them my name, certainly, and they say, oh, where do you live? And I say, oh, I bought the uh, Jones place. No, that's not their name, but uh, I tell them that, and they say, oh, I know right where you are. Um, but that's, that's generally how you reference things around here. And one more thing we love about living here and we love about the rural nature of Maine is the resiliency. People around here are pretty tough. They put up with a lot. Yeah, the seasons are tough. The lack of jobs is tough. But people take care of each other. They really make do with what they have. They're pretty salt-of-the-earth people, you might say. So that's why we love living here and why we live here. Not saying where you don't live is fantastic, of course, but, you know. Well, maybe I am saying that. That's why you should move to Maine. Anyway, thanks again very much, folks, for listening to the podcast. I hope you have a wonderful day. And got some great episodes coming up, so please head on over to AmazingMainePodcast.com. Find links to all of our social media accounts. Give us a follow. Give us a review. Send me an email at AmazingMainePodcast at gmail.com so that I can hear your suggestions and your feedback. Thanks very much, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Amazing Maine Podcast. Faulty recording, bad editing, and substandard technical knowledge are all provided by me, Scott, your host. Interruptions are provided by my children, a family dog that can't come to grips with Maine wildlife or delivery drivers, and my own ninja-like mastery of procrastination. You can help promote the podcast by visiting our website at www.amazingmainepodcast.com and on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and something called Pinterest. Who knows, maybe with some luck, I could get some sponsors and even buy a decent microphone. Thanks for your help, everyone. Have a great day.